Time marches on and leaves behind those who are not equipped for tomorrow. We cannot predict what will happen in the future, but we at Regent University aim to prepare you for it. With world-class professors and over 150 programs, the opportunities to find success in your field are many. So don't let tomorrow pass you by. The journey to your brightest future begins here. Visit regent.edu slash learn more. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. <clears throat> Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. My voice is not quite warm yet. Interesting, right? <laughs> not really. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. The luck of the Fed this week, St. Patrick's Day, the Federal Reserve, um, holidays, spending big, saving big. The saving big is the first segment, the first idea that I really want to play with. And there was a statistic that came out this week that 50% of millennials would be willing to use their stimulus checks to start investing. Or was the story 50% millennials will use their money, a stimulus check money, to potentially invest in Bitcoin? <clears throat> They're two very different stories in my mind. And I feel very different on how you frame them. 50% millennials will start investing, 50% of millennials will use the money for Bitcoin. Regardless, I'm okay with that. If you've ever been to Vegas, if you've ever been to a casino and you've lost a little bit of money, it does not feel good. And it stops you from that notion of one day saying, Woohoo, I just got an inheritance. I'm gonna go get, I'm gonna go to the casinos. Now some people do do that. But it, it's okay to get these like weird life lessons in, in weird ways. Investing is a wonderful thing. For me, I was kind of piecing together two concepts when I was 18 years old. I don't want to work till the day I die. I didn't like that. The image of that did not sit with me. And I got in a, I was rear-ended by another driver, and it was a pretty serious accident, so I got a small settlement. To this day, I, I would give the cash back for having a healthier back. Um, so it wasn't big enough for me to stand the test of time. But the point being is I used that money to start investing because I kind of thought you had to have $5,000 to start. That seemed like the number that was in my head. Nah, you can actually start with a dollar now. But in my head, it seemed like you had to save up to start investing. So I got a windfall. I got in a car accident, got rear-ended, and it was time to start investing. Because once you start, then, then it gets a little bit easier. And this is one of those arguments you could have philosophically that it, it, it used to be really for the rich. Because you had to have that down payment to get diversified. So I took my cash settlement. I put it in one mutual fund. It was Robertson Stevens Information Age Fund. 
And after that, what I started doing was once you get that initial sum in, they're happy. Mutual funds back in the 1990s really didn't want to service someone for $100. But if you start with 5000 and add 100 every month, they're fine. But they didn't want to like wait for you and do the trading. And it's just, it wasn't financially feasible. I was involved with a mutual fund in the 1990s. It was very ill fated. Sometimes you take a pie in the face, sometimes you hit deep in pie. Um, it was just too expensive. It was never going to work. Um, you know, when the trades were up 20% and the net asset values were, were pretty flat because of trading costs, you're like, oh. And so, that was pretty ill-fated. <clears throat> so the coronavirus pandemic, if it teaches one lesson, <clears throat> if one person becomes a better investor out there because they lost money in Bitcoin or because they used it for a Robinhood account and tried to, to emulate the success or the failures that they saw of the previous year, GameStop and AMC, Carnival Cruise Lines. Look, I, if I was 20 years old, if I was a millennial right now, I'd be tempted by the headlines as well. I'd be jaded. I'd be like, Bernie's right. 20-year-olds deserve everything for free. I, 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 would, I would be into that. And I'd say, you know, Wall Street makes too much money. But suddenly I'm in if, if you're giving me a $1,400 stimulus check and I'm living with mom and dad or something. Oh, I was looking at the rent situations on stimulus. If you want to be forgiven rent. There's no way uh, the average renter is going to do that. The average landlord may, but the average renter is not going to be signing up for the amount of work involved. Okay, <clears throat> so I don't care how anyone comes to investing. I'm stoked with it. But I do kind of want you to be cognizant that you're probably likely going to fail on your first cash adventure. And that's what I looked at going to a casino. I never, ever wanted to go to a casino. It, it was nothing that attracted me. I, I didn't like the idea of it. You know, what, playing blackjack at home with your brother. I was like, okay, yeah. I get there was a lure, a lure with the sound of the cards and with, you know, lady luck and being smarter on your hits. I get all that. So that first time losing money, it left such a bad taste in my mouth. I'm like, I'm glad I did it. It was like the worst $300 I ever lost or something. The pandemic lockdowns have spurred retail investing with more individuals opening an online brokerage accounts. Trading stocks has become as common use of your stimulus checks, uh, effects or depths as any. I just, and again, I guess I, I almost have to caution this and, and throw it in there. I caution anyone thinking that games that that reddit is an investment advisor um time is a much better investment advisor for people the internet yeah i can google you know, top 10 growth stocks right now and there will be answers they're not suited for me and i don't know anything about the guy who wrote them and his track record if you study my track record on this show i've been pretty darn consistent for 20 plus years when I make mistakes, I admit them. Um, 
So I guess that's all out there. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about today. Money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblackshow.com. I'm not seeing my time clock at this point in time. Something's, Skype is messing me up today. Um, find me online at robblackshow.com. It's robblackshow.com. Ah, there it is. Wow. My clock is off today. Well, this 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 episode's not going to the Smithsonian. We're calling this one the pandemic flop. Eight hundred five one six twelve twenty to get your calls on the air. 10% of stimulus payments or nearly $40 billion of the $380 billion in direct checks may be used to buy bitcoins and stock. $380 billion. $40 billion of the $380 billion. That's a drop in the bucket, but it still starts to add up. And you can still think maybe the month of March will kind of have some weirdness to it on the stock market just due to the new cash coming in. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblackshow.com. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. So you probably remember Volkswagen getting into a scandal that almost destroyed the company. It got into an emissions cheating scandal. States didn't like that. Governments didn't like that. Countries didn't like that. Volkswagen shares rose 10% recently. As they're starting to look at how the company is going to be the EV leader by 2025. Oh, what about Tesla? Right there, like instantly, they had me like, Volkswagen's going to lay out a vision for it. I want to see what what they think it's going to do. They want to more than double the number of EV deliveries this year. This year. They want to build six new European battery factories. They want to employ 10,000 developers, making it the largest European software firm behind SAP. Okay. All of that sounds very expensive so far. That would mean to me the capital expenditures, the CapEx, are going to be in the billions. So even before they become this number one EV maker, which let's say is going to be a dubious assumption, they're going to spend billions of dollars. I like that. Not for Volkswagen, but for the players in the industry. Having... 10,000 developers, I like that. Again, not for Volkswagen necessarily. Having 10,000 software writers doesn't mean you're going to write the best code. But they're playing in the right area. Tesla's got slipping market value. Shares are down over 30% since January high. Investors see real competition from Volkswagen and other legacy automakers as... It seemed like 2021 was the year that the board of directors of every major automobile company got together with the CEOs and said, um, 
we got to be all electric vehicles soon, or we got to make sure we sound like we're going to be that going that direction. Because people who buy cars are millennials, and they like that messaging. Volkswagen could gain an advantage in batteries, which currently account for over 30% of electric vehicles' cost. That's an interesting thought to digest for just a second. A Tesla costs $100,000, and the research is saying that about 30% of that are the batteries that are inside of it. Kind of makes sense, because there's no, there, there's no engine. When you pop the hood, there's no engine. You're kind of riding on batteries, which is kind of interesting to think about. Volkswagen thinks it can have the battery costs with next generation solid state batteries starting in 2025. With 70 new electric models on the way, Volkswagen could match Tesla sales as soon as 2022 and outstrip it by a significant margin by 2025. Okay. Volkswagen has a lot of factories. They once were one of the biggest car makers in the world. They broke the law. They got punished by governments. But they still have the factories. That's a big advantage on Tesla at this point in time, except for they don't have the battery factories. For me, investing is learning how to compare. At the end of the segment, am I going to say I endorse Volkswagen over Tesla? Nope. But I'm going to say there's real competition out there. Now, Volkswagen revenues come mostly from gas and diesel-powered vehicles, with sales of gas and diesel-powered vehicles down 15% last year. Operating profits are falling at Audi, at Volkswagen, Ford, General Motors. I'm not, the word's not struggle. The cost of this business structure is not lining up with the profits like it used to. So betting on electric seems like the right idea for Volkswagen. Again, do I expect them to hit a home run? <clears throat> I, I, they've burned me once. and I didn't, even, I didn't even own a Volkswagen. I've never owned the stock, never even considered the stock. But that whole cheating emission scandals, no, 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 no. The NFL is doing fine, financially speaking. Don't you wish you could invest in shares of the NFL? You kind of can. Um, but you're not linked to the financial success, which kind of, it's almost a toy at that point. Can you invest in the sponsors of the NFL? That's an interesting thought. The NFL is coming to a streaming service near you. That's good news for football fans, but it might be not so great for Netflix. The NFL's newest TV rights deal, which takes effect in a year or so, will run for about a decade, which is a long time in the world of technology. And it's worth more than $100 billion. That's more than $3 billion a year from each of the NFL's 32 teams. Disney, big winner. They own ABC, ESPN. Viacom, CBS, which owns all CBS stations. Comcast which owns NBC as well as Fox and Amazon are all represented in the deal. But it's notable for the first time ever, NBC's Peacock, CBS's Paramount Plus, Disney's ESPN Plus, Fox's Tubby, Amazon's Prime are all gonna have NFL games. 
so the NFL, it's like to me, politicians. I'm going to use a really bad example here. A meth addict really needing that, that hit of meth. Coke addict really needing that, that hit of Coke. Somebody who needs a sugar high to get going, you know, pounding that Coke or that Red Bull. I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. Politicians are addicted to tax money. I know that's a funny image. I know you're saying, are you relating drug use to politicians? Kind of. But the one that I'll throw down again is the NFL will never look at a way of making a penny and turn an eye away from it. They are the greediest of the greedy. As far as you don't have, they don't have to sell jerseys for 130 bucks. They don't have to do that just because it has an FL logo on it. Let, let kids have something enjoyable without breaking, breaking mom and dad's bucks, backs on the bucks. <clears throat> but Amazon doesn't really have, I'm sorry, Netflix doesn't really have an angle yet to stream live sports. Their, their business isn't set up for live. Their business is set up for replay videos. Oh, I watched a documentary last night on Blockbuster on the death of Blockbuster, it wasn't very good. It was like one of those, they had bad comedians talking about Blockbuster in the documentary. Not good comedians. Good comedians, I'd say, hey, they, they, they got a little bit of a budget here. They had the bad ones. But again, it was a, it was a funny reminder. Uh, Netflix tried to sell themselves for $3 million to, to Blockbuster, and Blockbuster said no and laughed them out of the room. Whoopsie. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. So don't underestimate how I just talked a little bit about the NFL getting on every major streaming platform except for Netflix. Will Netflix eventually purchased? Oh, there's a good question. There's one sports service out there called FUBU, and they don't have any of the legacy programming plays or angles. They're just going out and they're signing deals with the soccer leagues. They're signing deals with, they're putting together sports packages for the sports enthusiast. And these pro these, they're not cheap. So if you want to get all the NFL games or if you want to get a package of all the hockey games, if you want to get a package of, there's one company who's doing a nice job. It's called FUBU, FUBO, F-U-B-O. The problem with them is they can't bring to the table all of the content that would complement it. They're not ABC News. They're not CBS with Star Trek and CSIs. Maybe Netflix will have to acquire their way into it. I, I don't see FUBU doing it on their own, but I also I see Netflix as a true loser of that NFL story. We wouldn't have Stranger Things. We have to have Stranger Things. It's, I think that's in the Constitution somewhere. <clears throat> I don't know what I'm talking about. The spike in long-term rates yesterday was a catalyst for the weakness in growth stocks. This is... A 2021 trend. Um, unfortunately for me, I own some of those growth stocks. 
and I'm okay with it because the spike in the 10-year treasury is telling me the economy is about to see more action. Good stuff. Transactions, business. My business is beautiful and I'm beautiful. So the 10-year treasury kind of makes sense to me what's happening and it's a bit of a trend. Then I also throw in the concept of I'm okay with, let's say tech stocks are down 10% this year. I'll be okay with that because of how much they were up last year. I do not come to the job every day with a, a lunchbox. I'm not a blue collar guy thinking that every year I deserve 40% in tech stocks. So I'm okay blending that out over time. Considering the S&P 500 is up 4.2% year to date. Now, how does 4.2% sound? Compared to 100% on GameStop, it sounds kind of shabby, right? But 4.2% is not too shabby. How much would you get if you were at the bank? Not 4.2%. Did you get a 4.2% rise today from your boss? Mm, probably not going to be 4% this year. So that's good. FedEx is in the news. They delivered better than expected earnings. Barclays was upgraded. Uh, no, Barclays did the upgrading on Ford to overweight from equal weight. Again, another company that a lot of analysts are thinking are going to be long-term winners in electric vehicles. Pay attention to your grocery stores and anytime you go somewhere where you have to park and watch those EV charging stations pop up. Two is not going to be enough in a, in a parking lot. Nike reported a sales shortfall due to, in part, supply chain challenges. We're hearing more of that. 2021, the creeper story that could ruin the year for tech and automotive. And, automotive. and Nike, supply side. Every one of those industries is struggling. Samsung may not be able to come out with a brand new flagship phone this year. They can't get the parts. Tesla had to shut down their manufacturing line for two of their models because they couldn't get enough parts. So, okay, we got the wheels, we got the tires, we have uh, the the rims, we've, we we got the charging station, let's put it all together. Oh, wait, wait, we're missing the semiconductors for the entertainment. Oh, we got, okay, we can't put them all together. We got to wait. So Nike's telling us this, the semiconductor industry's telling us. It's pretty interesting. Major car companies. Bank of Japan kept its key policy rate unchanged at one tenth of negative one tenth of a percent. So you think the interest rates are bad in the United States? You actually lose money by keeping it in cash at your bank in Japan. That's how desperate they're trying to get you, the Japanese consumer, to go out and spend your money. That's pretty interesting. Hearing the Bank of Japan out this morning, they said they want to have a price stability range of about 2% on their treasuries. 2%. Now, again, my industry, I think the norm is we all kind of all, all are talking heads that basically spit out a lot of the same information. And I think we're looking for 2 to 4% on our 10-year. 2% in brutal economies. 4% in hot, sexy economies. I, I would settle for that. 
it's interesting to note that one of the things the 10-year treasury needs to do is beat inflation. So if you have a trillion dollars, if you're a government, let's say a billion, and you're like, yeah, we got some cash, we need to put it, we need to store it somewhere where it's gonna get a return. You want that return to beat inflation, just a little bit. Two to 4% is a weird, it's, it's very Goldilocksian. You know that chick who broke into the bear's house, burglared it, and it started doing disgusting stuff like sleeping in their beds? I think she even wore their clothes or something. No, she didn't do that. But remember her whole thing was daddy's bear is too big, mommy's bear's bed's too small, baby bear's bed is just right. Same thing with inflation. 4%'s too hot, 2%'s too cold, 3%'s just right. You don't want your soup too hot and you don't want your soup too cold. I, I, I still don't understand that one. <laughs> it's a tough one for me to wrap my head around. Okay, so Nike supply chain challenges. Interesting, right? Crude oil's at around $60 a barrel. Just doing a, like, I'm kind of like the doctor going through the patient right now. Crude oil at 60 is telling you bullish things are coming. The US and China meetings didn't go terribly well in Alaska. Doesn't Alaska have that bridge that goes on to nowhere? Something like that. So the United States and China are trying to help bridge the divide over their differences. That's not good. It's not it's not off to a good start. And Biden just got a commerce secretary approved who in history has been kind of negative about US China trade relationships. So going to be interesting next three or four years. Elsewhere out there, it's kind of interesting, um, the vaccine. One of the things with the vaccine that they're telling people not to do is, is uh, brag about getting it, because <laughs> there's like people who are angry. I got an email yesterday that said, you may be eligible. I'm like, uh-oh, I may be eligible. Are they going for slightly overweight, puffy white, Caucasian? Are they looking for that group now? No, they're just fishing for business. Oh, this was interesting though. You know, um, so technically I could qualify because I'm slightly obese. I don't know, I'm not heavily obese, but inside the email, Sutter Health was saying, um, you don't have to prove that you're obese. You don't have to do it. Like you don't have to prove any of these conditions. Just if you have them, just come on and get the shot. So I was like, okay, let's see the availability. And Sutter Health probably has 20 mass vaccination sites in Northern California. Uh, no availability for two weeks in San Mateo. No availability in San Francisco. No availability in Marin. No availability. And you just start adding them all up. But if I want to go 100 miles north of Sacramento, I can get the vaccine today. At any time of the day, 9, 9.15, 9.30, And I don't know, logistics are funny, right? You go, isn't that interesting? Doesn't that sound like a hospital that's out of the sticks, out in the woods, somehow got a big shipment and maybe their people don't want to come in for shots? Something was going on there in my head. 
Home prices gained fast and furious in 2020. They look to continue their rise this year. Um, home prices really struggled from 2010 to 2012, posting negative returns. But I was talking with someone in real estate yesterday, and he told me that every single home in San Mateo County went for over asking for the first time ever last quarter. But home prices have gone up essentially every year since 2012. So 2010 to 2012 was the last dip. And it brings up a big question. Has your salary gone up? I don't want you buying houses with Bitcoin. I don't want you buying houses with tech stocks trades. I want you to do it with your income, your salary. I, I want most people to approach it that old-fashioned way. We can talk about affordability a little later in the show. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblackshow.com. Take a break. Be right back. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. And Rob Black and Your Money, I'm Rob Black. Keep your head up. This is kind of weird. The Lumineers posted a concert about four or five years ago, five years ago. And as movie theaters are starting to open back up, they're trying to get content from the studios. And the studios don't really have it because we didn't, they didn't quite know if they're going to be opening up now, a little bit later. What content will the studios give up for 20% theater? Well, so concerts are coming back to movie theaters, which is a very, very odd thought because I have that in my head. My older brother, Clint, took me to see, when I was like 10 years old, the talking heads in the movie theater. It was Stop Making Sense. And it's probably my favorite television or recorded concert. And it got even better when it was released on DVD because they gave the commentary from the director and commentary from David Byrne. And some of the stories were fantastic. He had some people of color as backup singers. And one night they just ate the wrong food. <laughs> They're all vomiting on stage. And they kind of show that to you in the film. And you're like, I didn't notice that the first time I watched it. But now that he says something about it, I see it. Um, they give you the idea on why the audience is, why the crew members are, are in black. And it's all about kabuki theater and you know, not seeing the, the, the man behind the scenes. It's just interesting. Why do I bring that up? Uh, movie theater and content, right? Uh, there's kind of a mismatch right here. And the Lumineers, they're bringing a concert back. <laughs> you can go see the Lumineers concert. It's a good concert, but it's also free on YouTube. I uh, don't know why I should be saying that, but millions and millions and millions have watched it. So last segment I talked about 2010, 2012 was the last time housing prices struggled. And since then, it's been up. Same with the stock market, right? Just a little bit of a correlation there. It's not 
a correlated asset. They don't have to go up together or down together. But what caused the problems in the housing caused the problems in the economy. And that was reflected in the stock market. So housing markets could be most at risk in the affordability crisis. One of the things I just recently did was I had a situation where someone wanted to move into my home, uh, my rental home in North Carolina. And anytime this happens, I like dealing with kind of a bigger picture. I, I have the ability to have a bad month. I have the ability to have a bad renter. I have the ability to get new kitchen cabinets. I'm not stressed by that. Um, I'm probably not playing the game as, as financially smart as I could. But when one tenant left after three years, great having a year, a good tenant who pays every on time for three years in a row. And they wanted to leave four months early. And I was like, I don't know. I told property manager, you do this. What would you do? Is it gonna be easier to rent it now or in four months? And they're like, definitely in four months. I'm like, how about two months? They're like, well, we can work with that. What we can do is we can offer them paying for the last two months and leaving but you're giving them the opportunity to break their, their contract with you. I'm like, offer it. And they did. So they took it. So they paid for two months of not being there. That gave us two months to really get the place in ship shop shape. And the next tenant who put a deal in there is for a one year, $1,400 a month. And uh, it's laughable to me. It's laughable how small that is and yet in that part of the world that's considered an expensive rent in the bay area that'll get you one room not even it, no it's like it's offensive what that'll get you in you might be on the couch in someone else's two-bedroom apartment for 1400 a month in the bay area um okay finish this thought rob finish this thought so they offered 1400 dollars a month for a year I said, why don't you offer them $1,300 a month for two years? And she did, and they took the deal. So to me, I'm not worried about losing $1,200, $2,000. I'm worried about it being you know, open for two or three months every time I turn over a tenant every year. And to me, a tenant that's going to be there for two years is probably going to take better care of it than someone who's going to be there for a year. And um, in the future, when if they want to resign, I'll be like, yeah, sure. Uh, which brings up a bigger question too: property management. One of the big costs of owning your own home and renting it out is the property management. The Airbnbs, the Vicasas, they become the property management of your vacation home. I got a second home with the idea that. Maybe I could turn it into a vacation home. And then I looked at the property management, and it, they're, they're not cheap. When the vacation home is in a vacation spot, they're more expensive than if they're in San Leandro or San Carlos or Raleigh, North Carolina. Lovely places, but people aren't exactly going there to vacation. Property management's way cheaper. But I believe in property management because I don't want to get that phone call at 2 in the morning. I don't want to screen a tenant. And this was this was brutal when she gave me the list of three applicants. And she said, which one do you want to pick? I'm like, I, I I don't even know what questions I'm allowed to ask. Which one would you pick is the only one I can come up with. 
God, we are in a very information sensitive age. Interesting, my first investment was in a Robertson Stevens mutual fund called the information age. And now we're in an information sensitive age. I'm Rob Black. Go check with Facebook if you want to disagree with that. We'll take a break here. We'll talk soon.